Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. If I were to say to you that, like, vocally, endpoint, we start off 90s. I, I, I literally wrote this down, and then it seemed, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you plan this in any way, shape, or form, but I'm saying it seems like that thing that we were talking about earlier, like, you guys started off as, like, uh, like, like you're, you're singing, it's sounding like 90s, and then as the band goes on, you guys kind of, at least maybe your, your vocals kind of become a little bit sort of like that UC, like 80s sound, kind of like that new wave kind of thing that was happening. And then by the end of Endpoint, vocally and even musically to some degree, there's like a Fugazi DC thing happening. Do... Am I am I wrong in thinking that? Am I am I I mean not wrong, but you know what I mean. Like like what are your thoughts to how Endpoint's trajectory went throughout all those records? Um Yeah, I, I think we were just trying new things. You know, Duncan and, and really a lot Duncan wrote the majority of the guitar riffs, right, for those bands. So he would just as he went through musical phases, he would um really I mean, we would change. And then, like I said, it's just a natural progression. I guess we started playing in 87 and then as Death Watch. And then, you know, it was 94 when we broke up. So we just got, you know, we were just exposed to different things and kind of wanted to go different directions. I mean, on the the last record, that kind of weird country song, like, I still like that. It's awesome. It's like, but it it was strange. Like, but we were all listening to like, you know, alt country was kind of coming in a little bit, and some of those early things were like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Well, um, that was that was another thing that I also thought about your guys's career is a lot of what you did kind of foreshadowed a lot of what came later, especially the last record, especially doing that because I remember listening to the last record and then listening to it again now and being like, "Holy crap, what year was this?" Because it's like. It 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 it, it happened like what you guys were doing seemed to kind of happen later for a lot of the bands. Like it it's um it kind of reminds me of what Jeff from Gameface did with that band March. Like he recorded a record that like many years later other bands and other musicians seem to also kind of be doing. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I'm gonna say this for about I can say this because not talking about me, but I think Duncan like. Was kind of ahead and then it. Oh, yeah. Like you think about guilt, 
Oh my god. Guilt if guilt would have happened a little bit later, it would have been the hugest band ever. Like they, they just remixed the uh the that record, Barson Road Ugly Box, and it's awesome. They're gonna be releasing it coming up. And it's just like it got the right mix that it probably should have always had. But it's like, man, this is so good. It's just you know, it's just about timing. But I do think that, that Duncan was was really innovative um and kind of exploring new things and and i think that we kind of followed along like just musically and again i think that um and he was always really supportive of the kind of me and my process in terms of you know freaking out all half the time on stage and you know writing all these sad lyrics or whatever actually not sad i think there's a lot of like positive real uplifting stuff in there as well um but yeah, I agree with you. I think that that was the process. I think we were just going through changes in what we were listening to, and and um, we wanted to do something a little bit different that accommodated the interests of the people in the band. And that's, I, I think, what also speaks to the uniqueness and the beauty of hardcore, because mm-hmm. you guys could do that, and it's not like you... Chances are you're not going to have a record label telling you, no, nah, no, come on, guys, give us, give us catharsis, give us, give us like, like, give us that record again. Like you were able to, like, like endpoint, you know, you know, even though it started off as Death Watch, like that's seven years of right of of, of doing something like that. It's that most hardcore bands don't go for seven years, it, at least you know as. As I saw it, you know, in in the, uh, I mean, I would say 80s and, and 90s. You didn't see that happening. It was hard. You know, it's hard being in a relationship with four or five other people, you know. <laughs> well, and, and think about think about this also. Like, how young were we all back then? And, I mean, you guys are touring the country, doing all this stuff, like like taking care of your, like, like, like it's it's amazing and i mean you know like you're saying you're turning 50 i'm going to be 50 soon too like like it like if i like when i see younger people doing it now no matter what i think of the music i'm just like that's amazing like it's just it, it's a <laughs> i mean and, and it really is you know and things are changing yeah there's the internet and all that that's that's way different but i think that music will be another way for people to have opportunities especially as economics are changing in this country and i, I just think that um. Even, yes, I, I haven't really thought about this a lot, but you know, there's a, there's a certain level of people, of old guy bitching about like, hey, everybody's got a recording studio now, and everybody can do, every, you know. But the fact is, is that it's still it's still a great privilege to play music, and I think that it will still serve a purpose. You know, we I think we all predict that times will get harder in this country and so i think that it still has this really powerful function for young people and i'm so glad when they're in it i have a friend that was just talking to me the other day about some some pretty difficult challenges their child is going through it i didn't say it but i was like you ever thought about getting them in the punk scene you know like in there maybe that'll help you know but uh yeah i i i definitely i definitely agree with you in terms of it's just awesome when they're doing that where did with with endpoint and obviously now it continues but where for you does like the like the being of service and the whole social justice and the whole like like and and like being pro social programs where did all that come from do you think i mean obviously that there's all you know 
there's all sorts of life influences and people influences. But for the music, I think I was really turned on by... Um, I, I know this isn't it, but I always attribute this to it. So I remember, so Fugazi played their first out-of-town show in Louisville. And so, I mean, everybody's excited, like, oh, my God, Ian Mackay, you know, people are screaming, filler! And Ian kept saying, you're living in the past, you're living in the past! Like, uh, but he, but they played Suggestion, you know, and they said, this song's about rape, and da-da-da, you know, and like, I remember listening to the lyrics, listening to the record, and it was and it was just so broke me down as a person. Like, have I have objectified women this way? You know, because you're a teenage boy, you're like, like, and I and and I I think I just wanted to do better, right? And and it touched me in such a way that I. And still to this day, you know, there's a lot of personalness in a lot of our songs, but I really wanted to help people or I wanted my songs to connect with people. I wanted to tell a story and, you know, ultimately I was reinforced for it, you know, like people after shows, there'd be this long, like hug lines, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, people writing me letters all the time and sometimes they're really intense, um, and so I, you know, it just became it shaped me into that's a part of my part of my role. Um, and so yeah, I think it was around that time. So you know, you hear in 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 in, in time of hate was you know pretty generic, not generic, but it's what you know it's what a 17, 18 year old probably not now because you're so much more sophisticated. But back then it was just like yes, mother beaten down in you know we're singing about the environment and. We had a friend that died in a, uh, Duncan had a friend that died in a drunk driving accident. So it's about that. And the rest of the stuff were just kind of copies of other types of songs that we had heard. You know, there, there's a cheesy fair weather friend kind of thing, you know? Uh, and then, it, and then it was around that time we, you know, we, we didn't listen to a lot of hardcore. We were still, we listened to a lot of DC stuff, a lot of different things. And so I think we took a really big turn at, at catharsis and then just kind of moved on from there. And then I've definitely become more targeted in the things I talk about in the, in, in the later years, just because I probably had more education. 